Here's what's coming up on today's show. We can look at these things, but I always remind clients it's not necessarily the policies that are going to come out of these different administrations. It's, it's how the market reacts to them. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he can be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. Welcome back into the Retirement Power Play podcast. I'm Ben Jordy. It's Tim Dyer. Tim, I know this is closing in on the end of the year. I think this is actually going to be our last episode of 2022 when it releases. So I guess that means end of the year client meetings for you. Has that been pretty busy? Yeah, it has been. I mean, it's always a good time of year. We here at Dire Wealth Management, we really have two what I call strategy sessions. We meet right after taxes are done uh, in April just to kind of level up on uh, you know how the year went and make sure that a lot of our projections played out, you know, and, and address any additional items that might have come up. And then at the end of the year, we do some portfolio review, and there's also some tax things at the end, like Roth conversions or whatnot. But it's it's a really good opportunity because we get to meet with you know our client base. And um, what's interesting is that we we prepare an agenda for those, which includes our clients' items for attention, and then we've got some items that we need to cover um, with them as well. But things surface from that, and, uh, and not only for the individual clients, but also um, we start to see that uh, across multiple clients. So it's a, in a way, it's a learning opportunity for us to get a little voice back from the field on, um, you know, what's on people's minds. So uh, a couple of things we can, uh, we can riff on today and, uh, and, and talk about that because I think our listeners might find some of that valuable. Yeah. I think that's interesting because, you know, I think these, these strategy sessions are obviously valuable for the client as well, but it is interesting to hear that you actually kind of have some things that arise from those meetings that maybe kind of come up multiple times that you pick up on and and can apply those to the, to the next year. So I'm curious uh, what some of those things are this year. All right. So, well, first of all, if, if I may, I'll, I'll kind of give you the uh, the agenda, um, you know, some of the some of the topics that came up this year okay. um, with the clients. And then and then I'll talk about some of the outside ones. But, um, you know, first of all, we had we, we, we were giving market updates. <laughs> you know, we're in a bear market this year, the market saw a decline of 20%. But we also put some context around what does that mean? You know, what, what is a bear market? And I explained that this is really Wall Street's jargon for a decline of 20% from the all-time high. Right. And you know what we do with jargon on the show, right? We put it in the penalty box. <laughs> yep. Hey, hockey reference. Um, but what's interesting about 2022 is the, the stock market, as measured by the S&P, the high was January 3rd. Um, and so the, the calendar year returns also sort of align with the, um, you know, the year to date returns align with the decline from the high. So, and I say the reason that's important is if you were talking to somebody and, and I'll use an extreme example, let's say their account was down 30%. Okay. 20% was down in 2022, excuse me, 21 last year, 2021 last year, and 10% was this year. You might, you know, some people might be having a conversation saying, oh, the market's only down, you know, market's down 10% this year. It's not that big a deal. But clients don't feel, you know, the calendar returns. They feel the, the entire decline off the high, right? What mm -hmm. was their account balance, the all-time high? 
when you add them up or you look at them online, what's that total net number at the bottom, right? And so they feel the 30%, not just the 10% that happened in 2022. So going back to the original point, the those two align this year. The, the maximum pain they feel, that 20, 25% decline, maybe for the market, is also the same decline that has happened all this year. So um, if you were to address that, and I was to say, we're in a bear market, and it means this and that. I mean, what are what, what's probably the first question that would cross your mind i'll put you on the spot here ben but if we were talking about a bear market what would you ask yourself or what would you ask around that well i'd probably ask uh when things are going to improve when we can Mm -hmm. expect to turn this around yeah and that's going back to the context we're like how often does this happen yeah how bad does it usually get um and you know some of the just rough estimates we've had about 16 bear markets since 1950 uh we're in the 16th right now so we've had 15 completed we're in the 16th um there's a little leeway in there there's one of them that was down i think 19.7 percent and you know we kind of round it up and say hey look that's that's 20 percent decline but 16 of them and that's over 70 years so you know every three and a half years or so then this these are the averages sometimes it's more sometimes it's less the average decline from that top to bottom is about 30%. Again, don't hold me to the exact number, but it's, it's, it's pretty close to that on average. And that decline from top to bottom historically has taken about 388 days. So call it a little more than a year from it to go from the top to where it eventually bottoms. Yeah. Okay. Now we start the recovery process. What does the break even look like? Well, historically, that's been about 1.7 years. Um, to get all the way back. Now, that doesn't mean markets don't start recovering before that. And sometimes it takes longer. But these are all just, you know, the goalposts, as I call them, giving you some context about where we are in that. Um, And anything's possible going forward, right? Got to throw my compliance hat on for a second. We never know the outcome in advance. Um, And so, you know, understanding kind of where we are, what the potential ranges of income uh, outcomes are based on historical evidence, I think just gives people kind of a North Star to keep them on track. Um, so that's one of the things that, that we covered. Uh, the other thing is, is taxes, right? It's, it's a big one. But there's something that's happening um, which has created somewhat of a window of opportunity, as I call it. In, when Trump cut the taxes in uh, 2017, the different brackets were reduced, right? 10%, 12%, 22%, 24%, and on and on and on. Uh, 32, 35, 37. Those are the tax brackets or tax rates. And then the brackets around that, we, we you know, we're talking on radio here, so we don't exactly have the visual, but um, so when your income, this is married filing jointly, is between zero and 19,900, you pay the 10% tax on that money. The next bucket is 19901 to 81050 uh, $81,050. You'd pay 12% on all the income that falls in that bracket. Now, I, I got to admit, I was a little surprised because I was walking through this with clients, and I'll talk about you know, what the next step was. But more people than I, I, I thought really thought that when you get into a new bracket, that that tax rate applies to all of the money. And uh, I said, no, this is what we call a progressive tax system where 
the first bunch is at this rate. And as you go up, the, the rates you pay on those additional dollars are higher. But it all aggregates together on what's called your effective rate. Again, a lot of terms, a little bit of jargon in here. But um, no, we want to know what, you're, what bracket you're in so that we know any future income that you receive on top of what's already expected. Maybe from a sale of a, a property or sale of an investment, some of those things can affect your income. It's going to determine, you know, at what rate that's being taxed at. And so um, that helps us make decisions. Now, I mentioned the Trump tax cuts. Mm-hmm. December 31st, 2025, that's what we call sunsetting. And by law, they're actually evaporating and reverting back or sunsetting to where they were in 2017. And so not only are the rates going up, these are the numbers for 2026 and beyond, again, unless there's any changes between now and then, 10% bracket, 15% bracket, 25, 28, 33, 35, 39. So you can see that there's some difference in those, but when you look at the tables, the numbers of when the brackets end are lower. And all that means, Ben, is that you're accelerating through those different brackets or buckets, if we will, faster. To get into the uh, 32% bracket now, you have to make over, uh, call it $330,000, right? I'm mm-hmm. rounding here a little bit. Yeah. But in, uh, to go from the 28 bracket to the 30%, br- 33% bracket in 2026, that cutoff is 233000 you see what I mean? Big difference, yeah. So not only are the rates going up, you're going through them faster. So we're just, you know, we're having these conversations with clients. Again, we're just making people aware and saying this is how it affects your personal situation. Here are some decisions that we need to make around that and, you know, some windows of opportunity to maybe we pay a little bit in taxes now that we hadn't planned on, i.e. maybe a Roth conversion. Uh, some people, maybe it's real estate or something like that. Um, you know, we do that now and, and pay a lower tax rate. So that's another one that, that that came up. But some of the things back from the field, so the questions, obviously the elections on a lot of people's minds, uh, but it wasn't as troubling maybe as the 2020 election. Um, everybody had their opinions and, and whatnot, but it, it, it was a little bit of inquiry on what does that mean? You know, what do the results mean? And as the time we're recording this, we actually still don't even have all the results. But, Hmm. um, you know, what does it mean if we've got a a split Congress? You know, the House maybe is is Republican or conservative and the Senate maybe is Democrat or more liberal. You know, we can look at these things, but I always remind clients it's not necessarily – the policies that are going to come out of these different administrations. It's, it's how the market reacts to them. Um, and just to kind of simplify it, sometimes, you know, you get good or bad news. Let's say you get bad news and and stocks rise on that. Sometimes you get good news and stocks decline. Um, a lot of it has to do with sentiment and it also has to do with, um, visibility going forward. You know, what are the projections going forward? And I'll give you an example. The Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates um, in recent history, recent history, (laughs) in the last year. Um, And they're doing that to offset inflation. Okay, we we get it. We know it. Um, But just the mere 
possibility that they slow that, not even stop it, but they slow that down, you know, had the market jump 6% in a day yeah, just a week ago. So it's not necessarily the news that inflation's still here, but slowing. It's really, you know, uh, people's reactions to what they think the Fed is going to do in the future. Um, and in this case, even though inflation's still growing, albeit at a slower rate, the market re reacted favorably on the uh, assumption that rates might not be raised as quickly in the future. So mm -hmm. a couple things in there. I know I've kind of been all over the place. <laughs> you know, maybe uh, you can comment on, um, you know, anything that, that, that didn't make sense there, and I can clear it up for you. Well, I, But you're a smart guy, Ben, so you probably got it all in one day. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty <laughs> clear, but I'm, I'm just kind of curious how this year compares to past years because it feels like this year has been – it just seems like a lot, right? It seems like a lot mm -hmm. to process. It just seems like, you know, usually there's one area of focus or one area of, of, of maybe uh, one major obstacle of the course of a calendar year, but it seems like mm -hmm. this year has been three or four. Have you felt like the reviews have been different? Have you felt like the conversations have been any different with clients this year than the past? Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things, uh, additional things that come up here is, is one of them is the topic of cash, right? Now in the previous, you know, five years, even beyond uh, historically, when you talked about money market, people kind of chuckle and, oh, I've got 32 cents deposited in my account this year as interest or something, right? Because the interest rate was 0.001% or something on savings or checking accounts at the banks. Now, when interest rates go up, one of the positive sides of that is that the rates that uh, banks and things like that pay also goes up. And so cash has sort of come back to um, the forefront as a topic because in the past, we used to have conversations of, I've got, you know, all this money sitting in the bank. I don't know what to do with it. Should I invest it? Should I leave it here at, you know, less than 1% interest rates uh, or interest? And, you know, now people are starting to look at it more like an asset class, which it is. Um, and, and so whether it's getting CDs in that 2 3 4%, there was a lot of talk about I-bonds this year, uh, which were paying 9% at one point, 9.62, I believe was the number, uh, over six months. So so that's there started to be some alternatives there. I still can't believe when I look at U.S. government bonds, treasuries, um, I think the other day when, when we were looking at some of the inventory, you know, 4 point. Uh, what was it, 4.6% for six months, nine months? Um, that's pretty good. I mean, that is as stable or secure as you're going to get backed by the full faith and credit of the, of the U.S. government. Um, so, you know, again, you could roll your eyes about the, the financial stability of the U.S. government, but on a worldwide scale, it is the safest place to put your money historically. So, um, you know, instead of getting zero now, you're starting to get you're starting to push near that five handle, five <laughs> percent. Mm -hmm. So cash has really come back into the conversation. There's one other side of that that I want to mention is in in some investment strategies, we've got a there's there's a lot of different ways to achieve financial exact objectives, but one of them might be a buy and hold strategy where you put a portfolio in place, you use low cost investments, and you you know you ride it up and down through the market and over time historically you've done pretty well the other side of that coin is a more active approach sometimes um, in the industry we use the term tactical and that's where people are making uh, modifications whether it's uh, you know more frequent trading or hedging or some other things to protect portfolios when markets are 
uh, under pressure or during times of high volatility. Volatility is just jargon for, hey, how far and how fast is the market going up and down? Um, there's both good and bad volatility, upward and downward, but that's another topic. Um, but in tactical strategies or active strategies as well, there some portfolios have reduced their exposure to stocks or even reduced their exposure to bonds, right? Because interest rates have affected those and pushed their prices down. We've had them move money from those assets into cash. Now, people might look at large cash balances in their account and say, well, geez, you know, what are we doing with this money? And in essence, although it's sitting in cash and there are better opportunities while it sits in cash, it's really waiting for that next opportunity, which may not be that far away. I, I can't know in advance, you know. It might be that money gets deployed over the next few weeks. It might be the next few months or, or longer, right? Now, the market started to get its footing a, a little bit here as we round out the fourth quarter of 2022. But I think looking at cash as an alternative doesn't mean it necessarily has to stay in cash. And if you're in cash and the market drops 10%, well, you haven't made 10% on your money, but that's increased your opportunity or even opportunity cost, which allows you to maybe uh, pick up stocks at, at better values in the future. So we want to have some money invested in these markets um, to have some exposure, but it's okay to have some strategies in there well that, that maybe adapt to those changes. There are, there are a lot of advisors that die on either hill, as we say, that, you know, absolutely buy and hold. Mm -hmm. Others say absolutely, you know, provide protection and make changes when markets dictate. Um, I kind of sit in the middle. I know how both of them work, and we just use them as, as needed to fit, you know, what the client's needs are. I don't need to die on either hill. Let's just use them to our advantage. There you <laughs> so, go. So that's the roundabout answer on cash. Well, that's very interesting. It's uh, I know that there's probably a lot more detailed and probably pretty granular when you go through it with clients, but kind of getting a, a general view of, of those discussions that you've had recently and kind of what you're looking at heading into the new year is pretty interesting. Is there anything else on your radar personally um, as you look ahead to 2023? Well, whatever you hear from the pundits, um, I can just about assure you that that won't play out that way, not because that they're dumb, um, uh, quite the contrary. These are some of the smartest people in the world that you see on TV and, and print media and magazines that are offering their opinion. But I, I continue to stress you can never know in advance uh, what is going to happen. And people thought 2023 was going to be a collapse, just a disaster, you know, uh, slide deeper into recession. And, you know, there was a lot of evidence that that could happen or ukraine interest rates elections but remember there's millions and millions of people every day that wake up just here in the united states of america and they go to work and they're working on something that is designed to either make people's lives better safer um more convenient it's it's positive change you know mm -hmm. um there's very few people that are out there that are trying to do the opposite right but that's why economies and markets they just adapt and you know taking a taking a, a piece or a part of that great opportunity is something that everybody should uh, be optimistic about and certainly participate in well i like that perspective that uh you know the majority of people are going to work to try to help make everyone's life more efficient easier better um we lose sight of that i think a lot of times so 
So it's an important reminder that there's you, a lot of, you probably heard the, uh, the, the adage where like, I don't know who they use, but like the, the, the King of England, you know, 150 years ago, didn't live as good as unfortunately, maybe a, a, <laughs> a, a homeless person now who has a cell phone or something, you know? Right. I mean, as sad as that is, the world's a different place and it, there's a, anyway, so you get the point. Yeah. <laughs> well, interesting stuff uh, for sure. And I'm looking ahead at a new year and uh, look forward to hopefully some things calming down, settling down, but I know either way we'll be on top of it and uh, share your perspective insight on that. If you want to get in touch with Tim over Dyer Wealth Management, you can always do so. Uh, DyerWM.com. Also, our podcast can be found at RetirementPowerPlayPodcast.com. All the episodes there as well. So lots to look forward to. I know you're doing some looking back now, but always want to kind of keep an eye towards the future and uh, we appreciate all the insight you provide. Tim. You got it, buddy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retirement Power Play. We'll be back again in the new year for more. So take care. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dire Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dire Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dire Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client's service agreement is in place.